This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Antonio Brown just will not go away. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, a jam-packed Thursday Getting ready for week 18 of the NFL season. Greeny, as always, is presented by Progressive Insurance, and all guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Don't forget to check us out via your smart speaker as well by saying play ESPN Radio. And in case you missed it last night, Courtney, it was Antonio Brown putting out a statement through his attorney accusing Bruce Arians of fully knowing about his ankle injury and in essence saying that Bruce Arians cut him on the sideline, and that's why he left the sideline and got undressed as he did after Brown refused to go back in because he said he told him his ankle was not in good enough shape to play, throwing around accusations about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But unfortunately, when it's Antonio Brown, it's impossible to take much of what he says seriously. So even if it's true, good luck with that. Yeah, he doesn't really get the benefit of the doubt from me and I know from other people because of all the stuff that he's done, his laundry list of nonsense that's followed him the last four years of his career. And his Instagram, his Twitter have been very active this morning, and he's reposting what people are saying in support of him. He's promoting his single, Pit Not the Palace. Um, he's posting memes. He's just doing a lot of weird stuff. And what came out last night via a lawyer that he retained, allegedly, in defense of himself, trying to explain his side of the story and what happened on Sunday at MetLife Stadium when he stripped out of his jersey, threw it onto the bench, and then threw his gloves, his shirt, into the crowd, and then jogged off the field and then did jumping jacks before giving a peace sign to the fans. Like He's trying to justify those actions and explain what led up to that point. You know, the most damning thing in all of this is the whole notion that Brown is alleging that he was forced to play through injury. And he put text messages out there that allegedly came from Bruce Arians saying that, you know, we need you to go. We're not resting you. And that, you know, be ready to go for the game. And then it shows what is allegedly Brown's ankle being worked on. Nowhere in those text messages is there anything from Bruce Arians or who was allegedly Bruce Arians. I want to keep saying that in this for obvious reasons, um, saying that, like, you must play or we're going to cut you. Because what he was alleging, Antonio Brown, that is, in the statement from the lawyer last night, is that Arians told him, get out, you're done. Because Brown was like, hey, my ankle's hurting, and he came out of the game. And then that Arians did a throat slash to him and said, you're done. Well, you know, I would really like to believe that there would be if you're going to make a claim like that that you know that there's video evidence of that happening because it's your word against the organizations and their word against yours like any sort of claim that ab is making at this moment is going to be investigated and it's there they're better he better darn sure be sure there's proof of all these things that he's saying happened on the sideline otherwise 
he doesn't have a claim and he's just going to be sent away. It's amazing when you factor in that this is somebody that was suspended for having a counterfeit vaccination card and Bruce Arians recognizing the situation that his team was in with Chris Godwin uh, injured, needing Antonio Brown to be on the team, came out and just heartily defended him after Mm -hmm. Brown returned in saying that we have wiped the slate clean. He's tried to be such a different guy here, not even making mention of what just happened, of the three-game suspension that he got. And then, so wait, we went from that incredible public defense in Peter King's column to all of a sudden you're done, it's over because you're hurt? That doesn't make sense. There's there's no in-between activity there that Antonio Brown could have ticked Bruce Arians off one or two more times in there that would have led him to even say, you're done? (laughs) That's tough to believe. The hardest part right now from a media perspective of people trying to get to the bottom of this, he said, he said story, and then obviously it's their side, the Bucks Brown side, and then there's the truth. There's no open locker room right now. There's no way to get around and be like, hey, you were on the sideline, such and such player. Can you tell me either off the record, on background, or if they're willing to go on the record to get like the real story of what happened because there's just not a lot of sideline evidence um, in video form as we've seen it right now. Like maybe the league will have something that can be able to tell you if there was this exchange that Brown is alleging between him and Bruce Arians, but it's very difficult right now to get to the bottom of the story because you're going through zoom interviews and you're asking guys really tough questions on camera that most of these things are live streamed and guys don't want to look like they're throwing a teammate under the bus. And you know, you saw the way that Tom Brady handled it, asking for compassion for Antonio Brown. And then this morning, Antonio Brown posts Tom Brady in a meme as one of the wet bandits in the home alone Two movie poster. And then backs up on Twitter and says, this isn't about Tom or any of my teammates. Like they've been, you know, very good to me, everybody down to all the way to the practice squad. Like, It's just, it's a really tough spot for people who are trying to get to the bottom of what happened actually during the altercation at MetLife Stadium and what led to him leaving the field because we just, we don't have the same access that we would normally have. And and not having locker room in a situation like this is just going to make it all that much more difficult to find out what the actual truth of the matter is. And when it comes to Antonio Brown, truth is clearly something that is being worked with pretty consistently as opposed to just... Flat out truth. Number three, Georgia. Number one, Alabama. It is the college football playoff national championship. And it's Monday night on ESPN and ESPN Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern time. This college football preview is brought to you by Cross Country Mortgage. Tech backed by loan experts. Cross Country Mortgage is dedicated to getting it done. Visit them at CrossCountryMortgage.com. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker. Up next, Kyrie Irving returned for the Nets last night on the road. Can this actually work for Brooklyn in their pursuit of a championship? The answer is absolutely yes. We'll tell you why. Next, Chris and Courtney uh, for, for Greeny, excuse me, on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Greeny, the podcast. 
Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply it's demon time on prize picks where you can now win up to 100 times your money that's right 100 100 times times your money. money With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and Goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com slash greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com slash greenberg code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus is presented by Progressive Insurance and all guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. It's Chris Carlin and Courtney Cronin in today. By the way, Jenna Lane, who covers the Bucks for ESPN NFL Nation, just tweeted uh, within the last few moments that Antonio Brown, according to the league, will not be subject to discipline for his actions on Sunday. It is the story that does not seem to be going away, but we will keep you updated as... His Instagram stories are updated. Did I really just say that, Courtney? Did I really just say that? The point we're at right now. Kind of interesting that what Jenna had just tweeted out, that a league spokesperson told her that Brown is not going to be subjected to anything that happened during the game. And I guess, have we ever seen, I mean, we don't see players quit a game all that often. I think Vontae, Vontae Davis, Davis at halftime, right? But he didn't, I mean, he wasn't subjected to anything either. It's not like he got into a fist fight or anything like that. He just made a fool of himself leaving the field. So I guess you don't find somebody for making a fool of themselves. You just let them dig their own grave. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember. It was like, I, I don't think that uh, Odell Beckham was, you know, fined for proposing to the kicking net. I don't <laughs> I mean, you know, if you want to make a fool of yourself, you're on your own there. We're not going to we're not going to make you pay for it, too. No, but if you taunt a player by making the first down marker uh, anywhere close to the vicinity of their face, then you absolutely get fined yeah. or you get you get hit with the taunting penalty. So don't do that. But go ahead and just chuck your jersey onto the bench and throw your gloves in and do a do a jumping jack on the way out of stadium. Totally Look, cool. The word you're looking for is consistent. Chris Carlin and Courtney <laughs> Cronin and for Greeny. Um Kyrie Irving returned for the Nets last night on the road in Indiana. Nets beat the Pacers. They were down 18 at one point. Kyrie threw in 22 points. And frankly, Courtney looked like he had not missed any time. And I'll stick to this. I am 100% in the camp that this can work, that this can absolutely work for the Nets. Certainly, they've played a whole lot more without him 
since the big three have been together than they have with him. And it's more about figuring out how they'll work together. But that doesn't seem to be a problem, especially when you see, as I said yesterday, James Harden has no problem taking a little step back here. And he did last night. He's averaging 16 shots a game. He took 12. I think if there's any player that's built for this role where you don't have to be in the middle of a hot streak, you don't have to be in a groove, rhythm, continuity, if you just need the ball to do what you do best, and that's shoot it and score, this is what Kyrie Irving was meant for. Like He could be the first effective part-time player in the NBA, and who knows, maybe after this year, depending upon what the vaccine mandates are, that this could be what he does going forward. He made the offense better last night. They erased a 19-point deficit, and you know what else happened? We saw how good the Nets were with James Harden and with Kevin Durant. And, like, miraculous concept, this is why they brought all three together. (laughs) Like, we finally got to see what happened when the three of them got to play and give us a glimpse of, oh, this is a type of ball they should be playing when the stakes matter the most. Come April, come the beginning of the playoffs. And I just... It's almost like we don't want to reward Kyrie Irving for the stance that he's taken on the vaccine mandate and and how the Nets didn't want to initially either, right? Because they said, we're not going to let this happen. Well, they bent the rules and they said, okay, or they bent their own, they they walked back what they didn't want to do initially and they said, okay, let's try it. Let's try it. Well, I don't think they're going to be saying, okay, well, we tried it and it didn't work. We're not going to do it anymore. They tried it. It worked. And I think it's just like so ironic how this whole thing's playing out that this actually might have been the best case scenario for everyone involved where you don't have Kyrie Irving playing a full season and you just have him when you need him, when he's healthy, and he helps spark your offense. And they were right to do what they did in in not wanting to have a part-time player. Because, I don't disagree. Yeah, at the beginning, in in theory, it would have been the bad way to go. But this is – because it doesn't set the best of precedents, but this is reality And reality is they had all of the COVID issues that they did, the injuries that they've had, and they need him. You know, Patty Mills is a nice player, but Patty Mills Mm -hmm. cannot be the consistent third option to go and win a championship. And here's the other thing. If you're going to sit right now at the situation and be angry with Kyrie Irving for what he's doing, at least acknowledge two things. Number one, the guy put his money where his mouth is, quite literally – lost half of his money, and the Nets were going to pay him for the games that he theoretically could play, but they were holding him out. And he was, to me, it seemed like he was ready to lose his salary over what he believes, and I respect that even if I disagree with whatever his stance is. And secondly, his teammates are not bothered by this because he's taking a principled stance. This is not something where teammates are looking at him sideways like you're either in or you're out with us. They get it, and this is a different time in the NBA, and they're going to support a guy like this when even if they don't agree with what he's doing, they're going to be fine with having him on the court because they want to win too. Yeah, because it doesn't – I mean, it does affect the team when he's not on the floor, and it will in the postseason. Like, they need him. He's a great player, but he's the ultimate ISO player in the sense where he doesn't need everybody else around him to generate looks for him. He went unassisted on 67% of his shots last night. That's crazy. And only, like, I think it was only, like, nine assists 
on the rest of them, which were, you know, just like a technicality type thing. I mean, this is a player who can generate his own offense, and that helps the team. And he can generate it for other players, but he doesn't necessarily need other players to do it for him. And, and to your point on Patty Mills, this takes away the three-point burden that they have placed on his shoulders where eventually they were going to wear that one out, and that was not going to work anymore. Like, that's not the volume he needs to be shooting at consistently. Like, you need to go to that in spurts, and getting Irving back on this part-time basis allows you to shelve that aspect of Patty Mills' game to when you really need it, because your offense should be running through your big three. Anybody knows that. And seeing where Durant and Harden were, they still drove the show. They were still number one and number two. And where Irving fits into that mix, honestly, I, did, I didn't I did expect it to go this smoothly. I really did. And I was wondering, what you know, and trying to find where the game was on TV last night and having <laughs> to resort to uh, other ways to watch it on, on Twitter. I was really, really impressed by how seamless this thing felt in the win over the Pacers. And and the other thing, too, is, you know, for Mills, he's going to help them in the role that he was signed to be in. And that means that Joe Harris is going to be back at some point, and he's going to have to be the Joe Harris that they handed all the money to. He was not anywhere near that player as far as shooting last year, and that's going to have to improve. So he is that guy, and Patty Mills can do what he would do the best, which is – Really be that supplemental point guard and shoot it occasionally, sure, but be the guy that is in that supporting role among a cast that is full of superstars. That's the way that they drew it up, and while they have signed Durant to an extension, and you would believe that James Harden would probably sign one after the year, uh, Kyrie is not signed, and this is something that um, I think they were very wise to revisit at this point. It's it's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus. Court, I mean, I'm just your take on that because I just think that they are constructed to win a championship and they can do it like this. Yeah, and the thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing is that we have a sample size now that's not just a couple games. Isn't he playing like 20 more, 21 more 21 games? He'll more be eligible the on the road. That's a good sample size to know, okay, He's still in this ramp-up period. Steve Nash said that, like that it was going to take a couple weeks, and you know he was cold on the first three shots he took. But once he started getting into his own, you know, his own rhythm, I'm not saying he needs like a consistent game-to-game rhythm, but in-game rhythm, sure. Um, see what happens by the fourth quarter in tight games, going down the stretch of the regular season when you have. 10, 15 of these games, these instances where maybe he doesn't play for three days and then he does play for four games and he's off for a week. Find out what happens then because I think that's going to give you a sign of how far you can take this part-time player stuff with with Irving, which I think is going to be, you can take it a long way in the postseason. Greeny, the podcast. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. 
Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Greeny, coming to you live uh, from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus, presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Thought this was an incredibly interesting take yesterday from Troy Aikman, and he appeared on the Adam Schefter podcast, and he and Adam were discussing the Packers and if, in fact, the NFC does belong to them, or is there a possibility that somebody else could step forward? I don't think there is a real front runner in the NFC. I know a lot of people would say Green Bay, but I've covered a lot of Packers games and they played some pretty average football teams and, and barely got out of those games with a win. I think Aaron Rodgers, of course, if he's not their quarterback, they lose a lot more of those games. But I think it is wide open in the NFC. And so even regardless of whatever you think of the way that Dallas has played here over the last six weeks, I think you could say the same things about Arizona, Tampa Bay, Los Angeles, uh, and even even the Green Bay Packers. So when you say, Courtney, that a, 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 a conference is completely wide open and we know that the Packers have the number one overall seed already, and you hear Troy Aikman say that, do you agree, disagree about the conference being wide open? I didn't think it was wide open. Maybe maybe I just have some NFC bias because that's the you know that's the conference I cover and I cover the NFC North and I've seen the domination that the Packers have had on the NFC North really throughout the last decade. Um, I thought the AFC North was a lot more wide open considering right now. I didn't think the Titans were going to be this much in line to get the overall number one seed. I thought it was going to be the Chiefs. So it kind of feels like one through I don't know maybe like four to five in the AFC could probably contend for a championship. I said this last week and I'm going to even stand I'm going to stand by this. I feel like there's three teams, two that I would, you know, put my chips into the middle of the table on that can go into Lambeau and beat the Green Bay Packers. Dallas is probably the most complete team that you see from top to bottom including special teams in the NFC. The uh the Buccaneers I know that they're injured and have weapons issues because they don't have Antonio Brown now. And, you know, how are they going to replace Chris Godwin? I thought that was the role he was supposed to play. Leonard Fournette returns to practice. But I still feel like there might be a couple issues there. But they were my number two team. And then my sneak attack type team that could go into Lambeau Field and maybe upset the Green Bay Packers would be the San Francisco 49ers. Like, they've beat them before en route to making the Super Bowl in the 2019 season. And they've been, they have a very similar offense to what Green Bay runs themselves. So, like, they go against, they go against that defense every single day, their own version of it in San Francisco. They will know how they're going to be defended by the Green Bay Packers. Like, but those were, like, the only three teams that I saw had a legitimate shot if the road was going to go through Green Bay. And as we find out in week 17, they lock up that number one seed and, and it inevitably, and it will. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's as wide open as Troy was making it out to be, but that's just my opinion. Well, I looked at it at the beginning and I thought, eh, I don't think I agree with him, but then I examined it a little bit more. He's right. And the reason I say that is because, okay, he's pointing to 
all of the wins that the Packers had that they barely got past teams that weren't very good. So I looked at some of the other teams here that are the better teams in the NFC. So the Packers have beaten four other teams that are playoff teams right now. Of their 13 wins, four have come against teams that are playoff teams right this second. Yeah. The Rams have three of them. The Buccaneers actually have five of them, and Dallas only has three of them. So as I think about that, you've got a lot of teams that have beaten up on teams that they're supposed to. And if you're going to go by the Packers just being able to slide by some of them, while I don't necessarily think that's fair because every team has games like that where you would think they should sure. pound somebody and they and end up just – it's Yeah, absolutely. But the nature of the business. they find a way. I do think – I would define wide open as four to five teams. I, I do think it's wide open uh, the more I think about it. I do think that maybe I need to treat some of these other teams with a little bit more respect. Now, I agree. I don't, I don't see the Rams going in Me and beating neither. the Packers. They, and they already lost there, which you, yeah. can, you can chalk up to a lot of things. I am still not a believer in Matthew Stafford, even though they had that come-from-behind win last week. Their defense is going to be what carries them in the postseason. I, I just i have never felt that that – I feel like they're a shiny object – Mm-hmm. That when you get really close, you start to see, oh, this is tinfoil. This is not sterling silver. Right. That's what I feel about the Los Angeles Rams. And I tend to think, I mean, we, we're looking at them as the number two seed because it because Arizona ran in, headfirst into a wall and couldn't get itself up. Like, if Arizona was the two seed and if Arizona won the NFC West, it might be a completely different story. And you're not even looking at the Rams at all at that point because they'd be the five seed well, or the six even. Um but no, I I just I don't see I don't see really any NFC West team outside of the outside shot I gave San Francisco to go into Green Bay and win. Well, the San Francisco thing is where I'm going next because what do you always look for toward this time of year? Teams that are really rounding into form and playing their best. And Garoppolo is still a concern, but he was limited in practice yesterday. I would have to believe that he would be back here. Uh, by the time the playoffs roll around. Yeah, and they, you know, the thing that they need to establish with him outside of you know, making sure his thumb is good, because we saw Trey Lance in the game last week against the Houston Texans. They've got the Rams this, this week against you know, for Week 18. Are they in a spot where they've reestablished the connection between Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle? Yeah. Because in the postseason in 2019, that was deadly. deadly. That was something that, you know, just they just whip through the NFC playoffs en route to getting to the Super Bowl where they face the Chiefs um, and too much too too little too late with them but it's that's something that's been missing that's the element of this game where it's not just that defenses have figured out oh cover a tight end over the middle of the field it's that that connection wasn't really there and you need to spread the ball around more you have more than just Debo Samuel as this incredible chess piece in this offense like you have a lot of really good weapons and a run game that you can rely on, like it doesn't I, matter who the running back is. No, you can put you could put me back there, and I'd probably be successful because that's the style of of run game that the San Francisco 49ers have cultivated, where they go to it when they need it. They don't need it all the time, but they can go to it, and that's where you can dismantle teams when it comes to situations like this in the postseason in January. So I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, am I going to be shocked if the 49ers 
won the NFC. No, I'm not going to be shocked. As I said, rounding into form, they're seven and three after in their last ten after they did, started the year poorly. Um, the Buccaneers, am I going to be shocked? Well, I'm never going to get a, to bet against Brady mm-hmm. until like if you're going to tell me he's dead, show me the body. Okay, I <laughs> I am never going to bet against Brady, no matter who he is playing with. Um, am I going to bet against the Cowboys? I don't believe the Cowboys will go and win a big game in the postseason, but it doesn't mean they can't. And you're right. When you look at the teams that are the most complete in the way they are built, that's clearly the Cowboys. I just don't trust them. But they're capable. They're capable. It's because they showed you at points this season that they're flawed offensively. And that's what scares me. Like, Are they going to hit a bump in the road and go back to the version that they were around Thanksgiving time, really through, what, like week 14 of the week 15 of the season. Like, even that Giants win was not that convincing, but they started to figure it out after that point. You'd like to think that things are back on track, but I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm cynical and a skeptic. Like, I always feel like that stuff <laughs> is lingering in the in the background, and I worry about that because – Yes, their defense is really, really good at forcing, you know, forcing turnovers and, you know, coming away with takeaways. But if your offense can't do anything with those things, like if they were to revert back to the form that they were after the 6-1 and one start, that worries me about them getting down a deep road into the postseason. Yeah, totally agree on that front. And look, to me, with all of that being the case, even though I don't necessarily believe in them, I know that they are capable of it. And so Troy Aikman's right to me. Uh, Whereas I may not have considered the NFC to be wide open. I think it probably is at this point. And this, by the way, in the last few minutes from Ed Werder of ESPN, Mike McCarthy says that Tyron Smith and Anthony Brown are being added to the COVID-19 reserve list. Also says several players not feeling well but haven't tested positive. We already know that Michael uh, Mike Parsons will not travel uh, to Philadelphia. He did say that earlier today. I should say we didn't know that yet, but we knew that he was on uh, the COVID list. But he is Uh, While he was positive, he is vaccinated, and there was the outside chance that he might uh, be able to play. It's Chris Carlin and Courtney Cronin uh, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. And then there was the take this morning of one other preeminent analyst in this business, and that is Dan Orlovsky. And it had nothing to do with football. And there is a trend that has become troubling when it comes to Dan. And I hate to call out one of our own, but it needs to be done in this instance. Um, earlier today, uh, he tweeted that cannolis are not even that good, do not taste good. That was to, back to a response one of ESPN's producers who had tweeted that she was having a cannoli for breakfast this morning. That was her, quote, current level of Italian. We have seen this problem with Dan before, Courtney. Mm-hmm. And uh, his food takes are just flat-out bad. He had the take that an oatmeal raisin cookie is the best cookie. I, I, I just, for, you just lose me right from the beginning there. As Greeny pointed out at the time, the only, the only time an oatmeal raisin cookie is chosen over a chocolate chip cookie is when it is done accidentally with the belief that it actually is a chocolate chip cookie, and there's not a bigger fall-off in terms of disappointment. So I worked in an organic bakery throughout high school. 
Um, I was a line cook, but I also helped out in the baking part of the operation. And you know what I learned is actually really good? Maybe Dan should probably re- revise this take. Oatmeal raisin chocolate chip cookies. Exactly. Or oatmeal chocolate chip cookies, rather, yes. where instead of the raisins, you put chocolate chips in. Exactly. So you're having a chocolate chip cookie with a little bit of health added to it in the oatmeal. See, that's the thing, Courtney. You want to draw somebody like me in believing that because it's oatmeal, well, it must be healthy, but then you're adding chocolate chips to it to actually make it palatable. <laughs> and and I feel like Dan, who has already said that pepperoni pizza is not nearly as good as white pizza. And it's, what, is, what is white pizza? Can you... White, can you pizza is, white pizza is simply cheese with, instead of sauce... Ricotta cheese underneath it. Well, no. it's it's not like the garlic, the Parmesan garlic sauce that they put on instead of tomato sauce, right? Uh, it can Maybe. be. It it can be. It depends on where you're talking about. I live in the tri-state area. It's generally ricotta cheese. So it's it's generally just mozzarella cheese with ricotta cheese. And bread, maybe some garlic mixed in. Nuno Teixeira. Like, sounds like a stomach ache waiting to happen if you ask me. But I, It's you know. actually good. I'm not going to knock the fact that it's good. Nuno Teixeira, let's welcome you into this conversation because I feel like you have a lot to contribute here. Um, and you were the wow. one. Well, wow. The, it, well, no, I don't, I'm not saying anything. I, you've lost 100 pounds, okay? You, you got there somehow as a yeah, fellow cutting, individual. Yes, cutting out all that good stuff, yes. Yes. Uh, your take... As you were the first person to point this out to us that Dan had to say, your response to Dan's latest absurd food take. I don't understand, like, how you can grow up with such bad food takes. Like, you know, I, I like Dan. Dan's a, g- a great guy. You know, no no offense. But, like, I know what uh, what part of Connecticut he grew up in. I know that the surrounding areas, there's really good food. There's really good Italian food and pizza and things of that nature. That's one of the things that Connecticut does well is pizza. Mm-hmm. And it's just asinine one thing after another with these bad takes. I think he does it. For, does he do this for attention or is his palate just bad? I don't think he needs attention. He's one of our most, like, you know, most prominent analysts on the network. I think that maybe, maybe it's a cry for help. Do we ever think that, like, you know, maybe he's reaching out and lashing out in the way that he is because he needs help in guiding his palate towards better food? Well, Dan was on first take today, and is he just flat out becoming a takesman in every way? That, that's what it feels like because he's – it feels forced. I'm, I'm just going to say And it. Dan has admitted this a lot, too. So Dan is the guy that um, – When he goes out to dinner, and he said this, when he's going out to dinner with his wife, uh, you know, his wife will order a a hamburger and a beer, and he'll order like a chicken salad and and red wine, and that they always give, they'll bring the order to him and give him the cheeseburger, and he's like, no, no, that's not for me. So like, (laughs) it's a damn thing. Like, I feel bad for his wife that she and his kids that like this is what they have to deal with. Uh, Courtney, does he just not like flavor? He might just have a really strict diet, too. Like, maybe he's just more disciplined than you and I, Chris. I don't know. Well, like, I mean, that's I mean, clear to... when you look at him, at least the for me. The guy was a former NFL quarterback. Like, I can't hold a candle to that. But he could just, you know, what did Diana call him? Vanilla? Yes. Like she said that he's just got vanilla taste buds. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bubba, I have not turned to you on this, and I value your perspective, even though your belief that that doesn't occasionally uh, is the case. Uh, give me your uh, take on Orlovsky and his continued uh, 
um, assault on food takes. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point where, honestly, he, he's never had a good food take where it's it's almost to the point where we he's kind of one of those people we almost have to just kind of ignore him. Like, we just we can't even give him the time of day. <laughs> and look what we're doing. We're like yeah. Aaron Rodgers and Hubbard. We, yes. we just, just got to stop giving him because, you know, he, he puts out these takes. We're just giving him what he wants. We're doing all we're giving him five segments on Greeny talking about Dan and cannolis and white pizza. You know, we play right into him. He, he gives it. We just got to stop. You know, he, he played right, Dan, us and we you, played ourselves. You win again. You yeah. got the worst takes in the world. Good for you, Dan. Next time, we're not falling for it. So just tweet out your terrible take. We're going to look at it. We'll talk about it off air. We'll say that's awful, but we're not going to fall for it again because it's your 797th straight terrible food take. And we're not falling for it again. Would I be wrong if I were to be vote a voter for Hall of Fame analysts if because of this I would <laughs> hold that against Dan in my vote and say, I am not voting for this guy? Does your Hall of Fame analyst can include a character clause? Because no. Like if <laughs> well, you had, this if is, a, cra- this is a character flaw. That's quite clear. Well, yeah. I mean, certainly if it had that criteria that you could vote based on a multitude of things that make up an analyst, including one's food takes absolutely but if it was only about his on field or on camera presence then technically no because he 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 tweeted that he didn't say it on air so but we don't have rules we don't have rules we're at the nfl with the mvp we do not have rules on how to vote for this award so yeah chris go for it i'm just I, i i he's such a great analyst at football he's so great and i almost want to pull the stay in your lane on him i really do this is not your lane. Stay in your lane. As I said earlier, Dan, when it comes to food takes, is the equivalent of somebody that has an egg as their avatar. I cannot take you seriously if that's the case. I can't. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear more driven. Courtney, quickly, the AFC, as we look at it, do you consider it as wide open in the final moment or two that we have uh, as the NFC is, according to Troy Aikman. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think the NFC is open. I think the AFC is, though. Like we well, talked about. Detroit. You know, Detroit, Detroit, yeah. Like, I mean, Tennessee, the Chiefs, Buffalo, Cincinnati, the Patriots, even the Colts. Like, uh, Chargers are frauds. I think I've said that many times. But there's six teams right there that I think could actually make a run. You know, the Chargers are frauds, and that's really disappointing. Because I, I thought they were going to be a lot better uh, than Me they have too. turned out to be. And some of their losses have just been mind-boggling. And it's unfortunate that that's the case. But, um, you know, I saw the Bengals this past week. I still believe that this is the Chiefs conference to win or lose, no matter where they are playing uh, in the postseason, home or on the road. I fully believe that the Chiefs are still that team. And um, I'm even having trouble believing that Tennessee, maybe I'm just not respecting them as much as I nearly should. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. 
Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.